Hello there and welcome. From the Bray Seafront, south of Dublin, next to the Carousel, this is Living Large and Hard, Memories of Ireland. So sit back, get comfortable, cop on to yourself, you tick fucking bastards, and enjoy. Because here we go. Hello. Welcome to Living Large and Hard. This is the ongoing Memories of Ireland. Let's call it a series. And uh, this is Boats Part 3A. There's also planes, there's also cars. Believe it or not, there's Boats 1 and 2. Now, I've been to Ireland seven times. This is not your usual travelogue bullshit. This is different bullshit. Because you can look all that other stuff up. And since... um, This is not a visual medium. It's kind of pointless to say. Man, did I see a really great mountain. Uh, If you can't see it. So, uh, not going to do that. What I'm going to do, if you want me to, I can uh, make recommendations. Just get a hold of me. That's Micromax Marvin on Facebook. Living Large and Hard on Instagram. You can DM me there. Shit for Brains, Gmail, X-I-T-F-E-R Brains. Get a hold of me there either with questions about Ireland, um, recommendations about this podcast, any of that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for passing it on. If you pass it on to anybody, if you haven't passed it on to anybody, then would you please pass it on to somebody if you think they would like it. Even more so if you think they'd hate it. And, okay, let's get going here. Boats Part 1 was a trip to the Skelligs Islands. And uh, that was... You know, paid money. Someone else drove the boat. Boats Part 2 was a cruiser on the Shannon River with automated locks. All that good stuff. Now, this is a barge trip, a converted barge. Um, canals became a big thing in the mid-18th century in Europe and America. They were big money makers for some, and some of them just completely fizzled out. I read about one that was built in Ireland and it only made 10 pounds profit the entire time it was open. Uh, The particular one I was on is the Grand Canal and that comes out of uh, Tullamore is where I picked it up and it goes into Dublin. Actually, it goes from Dublin to the River Shannon and into the River Barrow as well. little side shoot. So Tullamore is kind of like halfway between Dublin and the River Shannon. So picked it up in Tullamore, the home of Tullamore Dew. I used to drink a lot of Tullamore Dew. I'd call it uh, drinking a brick at Tully because it's in a rectangular brick-shaped bottle. Makes sense? Pretty clever, aren't I? All right, anyway. So the Grand Canal, they started building that in the mid-1750s, and it took about 50 years to complete. The boat that we were on was a converted barge. I'm not sure of the year. It was 35 feet by 7.5 feet, weighed 3 tons, had a flat bottom. Flat bottom means what? It means it was very difficult to control because there's a V in the bottom of boats for a reason. It keeps it going straight. I uh, had a nice little peat stove, had a 
I believe a two hob gas burner, little refrigerator, eh, like like the cabin cruiser if you listen to that one. Now for the toilet, did not have a sea toilet like the cabin cruiser where you pump the water in, um, do your business, flip a valve, pump the water out. This had what's known as a macerator. They just ground the shit up and shot it outside into the canal. How they got away with that, I don't know. Can they still get away with that? I don't know. Now, I really liked driving the boat, captaining, uh, commanding, whatever the fuck it was. The back was open. And you take the tiller in your right hand and the throttle in your left and go down the river. And there was a, a book of maps. And you moved, as I pointed out in the other one about the cabin cruiser, you go so slowly that uh, that's part of the charm of it. You really can't go fast. You do, if you slam the throttle forward, all you do is you pull more water through, but there's not a lot of water in the canal. It's kind of overgrown and, and stuff. So you really don't go any faster. You create more um, friction, I guess, because it just made a bigger wave at the front. You really didn't go any faster. You just burnt more fuel for no good reason. So there was that. So I got to stand outside like a you know like a Viking warrior. Sure. Uh, There's also a weed hatch back there, which I thought was cool. If the boat started going slower and slower, it put it in neutral. Uh, undo the thumb screws on the weed hatch which was over the screw. That's a nautical term. It's also known as a propeller. And um, pop that sucker and look, and yep, lo and behold, there's a bunch of weeds on the propeller. And before the thing drifted too far sideways, pull them fuckers off, throw them overboard, put it back on, and off you go. Now for the tutorial, because they only give you like 15 minutes and go, here, do this, do this, and don't do that. And you take it up the river, or like usually they take it up the river and show you what's what, and then they hand it over, and then you bring it back. And one of the first things they said was, never let go of the lock key. Now, you're envisioning a key, like you start your car with. No, this was a piece of ziggity-zaggity metal, left, down, right, with a big socket on the end, and that's what you use to open the sluices. And the sluices let the water in and out of the locks to raise and lower them once you had the gate shut. Never let go of the lock key. The um, sluices went up. When you crank them up, they went up with a ratchet. You know, tick, 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 tick. so it went up. It would not go back. Now to get them to go down, you would flip the ratchet open. <clears throat> Sorry about that. And then, uh, through the might of your muscles, you would not let the thing just you know fall down and bang and fuck up the lock. You would control the drop of the sluice. So that was part of it. Uh, there was various spots in the bank along the canal that were called turning holes. And what you would do is, if you didn't know what they were, you wouldn't think anything of it. But what you would do is take the front of your boat and go, like, say you're heading up and the turning holes on the right, you'd go and you'd turn it into the right, stick the front of the barge into this indentation in the bank. That's all it was. Nothing, like I said, if you didn't know what it was, you wouldn't think it was anything. Stick the front in there, 
And then what you would do is flip the back end. Say you're going up, you would flip the back end around, hit reverse, pull it out of the turning hole, turn back. If you had to turn right, you would turn left, pull it out of the hole and go back the other way. So that was interesting. Um, all the lock gates were manual, which means you had to push them open, push them shut. Um, they had a long beam for leverage. And the easiest way that I found to close and open them was to put my narrow ass against the very end of it and, and walk backwards. Also, the locks themselves were so old that all the mortar was gone between the rocks that uh, made up the lock itself. So you had to refill them or the wall of the lock might just crumble on in. So that took even more time. If you had to go in and lower a lock to get out the other side, that means you had, before I could go and get back on the barge, I had to close the sluice at the end. You just close the gate, close the sluice at the end that we just left on the lower side, open the sluice on the high side so that the lock can refill. You don't have to stand there and then close it again. You just let it refill. Something that I really liked was uh, these barges were originally pulled by mules. Or maybe not mules there, but I'm pretty sure it was. And uh, anyway, they'd be pulling them with a rope and then go up along the towpath. And when they would get to say there was a bridge over the canal, then the mule obviously could not go up and go over the bridge because the rope would go up and it pulled the boat out of the water, which would not be possible because a mule or two can't do that. So the mule had to go down. Now just look, you know, you're going down the river um, the mules would have been on the right, up above you on the towpath. Then there's a bridge. Then the mules walk down, and then they go under the bridge, and then they go back up. Now, when they go back up, that rope that they're uh, attached to the barge with is going to go and pull against the side of that bridge underneath as they walk up. And what had happened over time, over the centuries, is that there were actually cuts in the rock from those ropes. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. I enjoyed that every time I saw it. Now, this was in the year 2000, and international cell phones didn't happen. So there were lock keepers and you could call them. There was a list of phone numbers and shit, but to do that, you would have to go into town and find a phone box and, you know, call them through that. So they taught you how to do it yourself, which I just went over the whole process for opening the locks. Um, basically, the locks are there because it makes it, instead of there being turbulent water, from an elevation change, it makes it smooth. Say you're going upriver, so the water is going to be higher because the water comes downstream. You'd have to go in the lock with the water out and the door open, close the door, close the sluice on the backside that you just came in, go to the front, 
open the sluice, let it fill, and then once it's full, then you can open the lock. And then you go out. Reverse it, go in the other way. Go in, drop it, and like I said, then you have to close it, close the sluice on the front, and then let it refill so the whole fucking lock doesn't collapse. So there were keepers. Now the first two locks coming out of Tullamore, they'd been notified from the uh, barge hire company that we were there. So that made it easy. Guy just shows up on a quad, goes up, opens gate for you, gets out of the water levels. In you go, throw him the rope. You make sure that the ropes are taut because you don't want to hang a rope. You don't want to bang around in the lock. You can go back and get caught on what's the sill and fuck the uh, propeller and the rudder up. If you have, if you're lowering and your ropes get stuck, you can actually hang your your barge on the side of the <laughs> on the side of the canal, which I've heard about. I certainly would not want to do that. So you tend to your ropes anyway. So I went to the first two like a champ, and what they would do because it was only a seven and a half foot wide barge, there were two doors, but they would only open one door because why bother? But that left very little margin for error to the left and right to get the barge through. I don't know if it was even a foot. It had to be a foot on each side, but it wasn't much. And then when you go in, you got to hit reverse. You don't hit the front, hit the front doors. There's a lot involved with it. Um, So first two, I aced them. That was awesome. So there was another keeper at the third lock, and he had it all ready to go, and he was just up there with his back turned because he was... I guess he wasn't happy that he had to do it. So he had his back turned and he was actually up on the front door. They're coming in the back on the lower door, heading up. So he was on the upper door. And I got cocky. And I realized I was going too fast and I wasn't going straight. And I didn't know what the fuck I was doing at that point. So. I'm going backward and forward with the throttle. Um, The front of the boat's wagging all over the place. And I fucking clocked the closed door. Man. I mean, I wasn't going fast. Way less than a walk. But you're talking about three tons hitting something. So I banged that thing. And the whole, I'm sure the whole lock shook. And the guy up front was no longer just staring forward. He turned around with a quite a look at disdain so beyond that um we were on our own so i did the locks from there on out just because there was i didn't feel like stopping and getting old anybody it would have been you know it takes forever anyway to go through these things so by the time it was you know go to the nearest town which may not even be it might be fuck like a two mile walk from where you are and then in, to find a phone box and all that. So it just wasn't worth it. And besides, I wanted to do it anyway. But the very first night we ended up, because uh, you can just stop anywhere. And we ended up out in the peat bogs. And what they do is they cut peat, which is compressed vegetation, not to the point of coal, but it still burns when you dry it. And what they do is they burn it for fuel. They have these little tiny train cars and they go into where they burn it and the cars actually do a 360 and they dump the peat out. So they have these big scrapers out in the bogs 
And that's where we ended up the first night. Middle of nowhere. Foggy. Boggy. Um, nothing around. And all you could hear was cowbells. Um, and the occasional moo. And I have to say, it was a little scary. Being that isolated. I don't know. Afraid of what? After that, it was fine. Um, not too long after that, we cut off the main canal into a, a little side canal. And it was cool because you go right into town in this elevated canal. And we popped in there. And we saw an even bigger barge from the same barge company. Like um, the one I had slept for, supposedly. Which means it actually slept too comfortably. But you can convert in the uh, saloon or living room area. You can convert the seating into, a, into beds. And this thing that was there could sleep 10. And um, so I only saw four barges in total that were out and about. And that was one of them. So we, we come in and we're just going to, I think we're just going to go to the store, but I'm not even sure. Um, the guy that had rented that barge with his family commandeered us. He actually saw us coming in and went up and grabbed us as soon as we came off. And uh, took us to a pub. And this pub from the outside looked like any pub. Lace curtains. Uh, didn't look that big because it wasn't that big. But once we got inside, uh, it was packed. It was absolutely packed. And full of cigarette smoke, because they could still smoke inside back then. And uh, the rugby Six Nations, you know, used to be the Five Nations. Yeah, I didn't know either. Um, that tournament was going on. And it was Ireland versus Germany, I believe. But, man, oh, people are going nuts. People were going nuts. And like I said, here's this thing from the outside. It looks like it may not even be open. You go in, jam-packed, people screaming, shouting. That was fucking brilliant. So we talked to them for a bit. Um, then we headed out. And some of the things you'd see while traveling, there were numerous lock dogs. Now these dogs would just hang out at the lock. And when you came off the boat to do your thing with the sluices and the gates and stuff. They'd, they'd come up and get petted and they'd kind of uh, watch what you're doing, <laughs> you know, and critique it. You just tell the dogs looking at what you're up to and going, eh, I've seen better. Uh, there was the occasional dead sheep, which is not uncommon. Because there's, uh, anytime you're outside the city, there's sheep everywhere. And they just run pretty much free. And also sheep are not the, sh are not the uh, smartest animals. So you'd see the occasional dead sheep floating around. Also saw them on the beach. I think saw a couple on a couple of beaches. Outside the uh, river areas. Uh, closer we got to Dublin. Heading from Tullamore into Dublin towards the River Barrow. The, the dirtier the river got, like more and more crap. Just plastic bags, shit like that. At one point, there was a, a steam shovel thing pulling 
cars out of the river, out of the canal. Uh, another place there was a computer monitor floating, bobbing along that I had to get out of the way of. Didn't really feel like hitting that. Um, and then we got into the river barrow. Now to get in the river barrow, there was this very sharp turn. And there was a guy on a bridge just watching me. And at this point, it only been a fuck, couple days. I still wasn't the best at this thing. Um, and what happens in these moorings, if you're near a city, the boats will be double parked. So on top of it not being the widest area to navigate to begin with, it's even worse because... Like I said, boats are double parked. Now, a lot of the boats are half sunk. <laughs> I mean, they've just been there so long. And, you know, they're just, they're like junk cars. They're just junk boats. But anyway, this guy's watching me, right? I wouldn't have worried about clocking a couple of, you know, boats that were already sunk. So, God, that was a pain in the ass. You know, go forward a little bit, turn the rudder, back it up a little bit, trying to make this hairpin turn at an acute angle. Oh, it took forever, but I did it. I managed to do it. I managed to get around without hitting anything in front of this guy. Uh, I thought maybe he owned one of the boats. So uh, There's supposed to be a ladder at each end of the lock when you went in. So when the boat came, you would get on the ladder to go up to the lock to uh, you know, work the ropes and to get to the front on the higher side. If you're going that, either way, you had to get to the other door. You had to get the other doors once you were there. So there was a ladder. Uh, sometimes the ladder was overgrown. And one t and another time, just I was had the lock key and a rope and get ready to go up the ladder and make that shit happen. Because you had to keep the ropes. You had to mind your ropes. Like I said, you could hang the boat up, actually hang it off the side of the lock if you were dropping it and if you were going up and you didn't mind the ropes you could you know get sideways not sideways you could bang it around in there and hit the doors and screw up your propeller and rudder and all that stuff so i had to rope in a lock key went in too quick uh the second ex mrs living large and hard was coming it's not her fault she just went in too quick could not see the ladder it was so overgrown and she was going too fast and i thought i would back it up and then i could I know where it was supposed to be. And I just said, screw it. So I climbed up the actual lock door because it was uh, corrugated looking metal, at least on this one. And got up there that way. Another time when I was at the top, some of those things had a very large lift to them. Some were just like three feet. Other ones up to 16, 18 feet. So with this one, it was about even to the top of where the lock was, uh, the ground level of the lock. So what I did was I just jumped from there down to the top of the boat and I very ungracefully skidded and ripped the knee on my pants. But it was easy enough. There was also this really cool lifting bridge. It was one car wide. And it was across the canal. So you had to moor the boat. And then you took your lock key and you manually cranked this little bridge up high enough to get the boat under. And then you had to crank it back down. Um, on the way back, 
Second next, Mrs. Living Large and Hard wanted to work that. So I said, fine. So she had the lock key and she had her rope and she jumped to the bank. The bank's completely overgrown and whatever she landed on was not the bank. So with the uh, look in her face of incredulity and somewhat horror, she went into the water about well, deeper than waist, waist deep. Uh, she did hold on to the rope and the lock key, so that's good. And um, I immediately killed the engine, put it in neutral, then put it in reverse so the, bo the boat wouldn't run her over. And uh, got her out. And then she definitely wanted to take a shower. Because if you remember, this had a mass rating toilet. Which means it just shot, ground the shit up in the toilet and shot it outside. And she said that was all she could think about when she hit the water. Was that the, <laughs> the water was full of shit from boats with mass rating toilets. Flipping it into the water. So she took a shower and we, we had it on. We continued on. There was another place that was, uh, you actually had to moor the boat. You had to go to a box with a phone. And there was a phone in there. And then you called someone and they came. And what they did was they stopped traffic. So that, and they lifted a little bridge to stop traffic. So that your boat could go across the street. Oh, it was so fucking cool. And then once you crossed the street, you were in a viaduct over the actual river barrel. So you stop traffic. You stop, you stop traffic. You cut across with people, you know, some are just pissed because they've seen it before and some are stupefied because here's a fucking boat crossing traffic pretty much at street level. And, um, and then you're in a viaduct over the river which looks dope as shit because you look left and right. You're in this little channel going over the river to the left and the right about the things like 20, 25 feet down. <sighs> so cool. Um, there were some kids. I'm not sure how they were going fishing somewhere. And I think we picked them up at a lock because they asked, they asked about the boat and asked if they needed to ask where they were going. So we gave them a ride. They hopped on the front of the boat. Also went to Vickerstown and uh, got in there. There was one closed pub in Vickerstown. So got off the boat, walked in to what? There was a post office and one closed pub. Walked back to the boat and uh, then we were attacked by swans. You heard this banging on the side of the boat. Couldn't figure out what the fuck it was. And took the spotlight off the front of the boat and looked, and yeah, there's a couple of swans bashing on it for some reason. That didn't last too long. There were problems with my navigation skills. Getting the boat completely sideways across the river happened more than once. Uh, there's this thing called torque screw that I was not explained. found out when I got back. So the best way to moor your boat is to tie the front and if you're, let's just say, let's go with the right-hand side again. Let's say you moor your boat to the right-hand side. What you do is you put it in forward, and the turning of the propeller will actually pull the ass of the boat back to the right. 
I'll pull it back against the right-hand bank, if I remember correctly. And if you were on, let's say, mooring on the left side, if you put it in reverse, because the front's already tied, it would pull it that way. Very simple, if you know that. Which I did not know. Uh, another time we passed, God, his giant fucking rust bucket, commercial modernist barge, but it, it was modernist, modern barge, but it was... It was so beat. I was thinking there's no way. I'm surprised the thing's still floating. It was so beat. But um, early one morning, heard and looked out the window on the riverside from the bed. And uh, there goes that barge. Well, what I could see of it, which was just the side of it for about, it seemed like five minutes. And then our barge went way up, way down, way up, way down, and then started going into the middle of the river. Now, where this place was, was nowhere. So there were these things called pins. And take a piece of, imagine a piece of metal. Take your forefinger and your thumb, make a circle. They weren't that big. Make it about half that big, half that big around. Bent in the middle, about two feet, two feet, maybe three feet, three feet with a bend an eyelet on one end and a spike end on the other. So you push the spike end in the ground, run your rope through the eyelet. Like I say, you put that spike end in the ground. Then you cross, you put the one that's at the front of the boat, you run the rope from the back, run the rope from the back of the boat into that one. So that way you're pretty secure, unless a giant barge goes by and pulls the pins out and you go out into the middle of the canal and you wake up naked. And you realize this and you have to get dressed very quickly with a very bad hangover and fix the problem. Now in the village of Carlo, I guess it's a city, decided to put in for the night because, hey, it was a city and go to the pub. I noticed where we stopped, there was like, God, there's zillions and zillions of kids. Like so many fucking kids. And, um... Not a good sign, because kids are trouble anywhere in the world. And uh, there were a couple of mid-rise, obviously public housing developments. And there was three kids, and they stopped, and they started talking, and me being friendly, talked to them. And then they just, you know, can we see the inside? No, you can't. I know better than that. And then they found the horn on the back of the boat, and they kept honking the horn. And if I went to the back of the boat, then they go up to the front, jump on the front of the boat, and then it just got to be such a pain in the ass. And finally they say, well, we got to, we're after going to dinner. Will you be here when we get back? I'm like, oh, absolutely. And as soon as they left, well, another problem I had was we were in parked, moored, um, at a lock. And before the lock is this thing called a weir, which is basically a dam. So the extra water, that is going into the lock to fill it, any extra water spills over the weir, just like eh, a regular dam. So I'm thinking, here's all these fucking kids, and the older ones are going to be drunk later. And wouldn't it? they think it'd be fun if they undid the ropes so that we went over the, over the weir in the middle of the night? Wouldn't that be fun? And I said, fuck this. We're getting out of here. So we took off through Carlo, and it's starting to get... Yeah, it was just about sunset. 
and there's a lot of locks in Garlow. So it became a race and finally got out of town. And then there was nowhere to moor. Um, couldn't even put pins in because the bank was too steep. Found a lock outside town and just moored in the lock. And to get into the lock, it was so dark that the uh, second ex-missus living large and hard had to stand up in the front with, with the spotlight so I could see where the fuck I was going. And uh, that was an adventure. And from there we went up, we went into the River Barrow, which is a different thing. You go in the river, but you have to be on the correct side of the river where it's dredged. And then what you do is you cut into the canal to avoid rapids. So that was a whole different thing. So we went into the River Barrow and we headed up and we ended up, I can't remember the name of the place, but there was a an old mill across the river from where we were moored and no windows, no roof, but it was still banging. So apparently the water wheel was still going and something was still going in there. So I crossed over the lock, went over and they had fencing to keep people like me out. And uh, smartly, the fencing jutted out over the river. So, I mean, I hung on and tried to monkey my way around it, but I couldn't get in there. And with that, we're going to end Memories of Ireland, Boats, Part 3A. And thanks for listening. And from high above Route 309, in the skybox, Allentown, Pennsylvania. This is Living Large and Hard, as you know. And let's listen to some traffic.